Hello and welcome into the Take 10 Podcast. This is Alex Rue of Big Ten Network, and this week's guest is former Michigan State basketball star, Maurice Ager. Let's get into it. Take a look, listen, and enjoy. Look at here, look at here. With the catch, the finish! Oh, my goodness! What a catch! Oh, Energy, enthusiasm. We'll get to Maurice in just a second. First off, I want to get a word from our sponsor, Northwestern University School of Professional Studies. If you've ever thought about a career in sports, check out the master's program in sports administration at Northwestern University. You can build your skill set and your network in evening or online classes. Find out more at sps.northwestern.edu slash sports. As always, I want to sing the praises of that program. Great opportunity for someone Wanting to work in sports, wanting to work at a place like Big Ten Network, definitely check it out. Um, as you wrap up listening to this podcast, um, definitely check that out on the NUSPS site. All right, getting into today's guest, quick rundown. It is Mo Ager from Michigan State. Uh, first up, we do have Harold Shelton, another Michigan State guy, jumping on after Mo. If you listen to the podcast regularly, you know Harold. Talks Big Ten football and basketball with us, especially basketball this time of year. But first, we got Mo Ager. Definitely an interesting interview. He updates us on what he's been up to since playing for the Spartans about 15 years ago. So he's been up to plenty. Man of many interests. Very entrepreneurial guy. And he gets into his uh, current pursuits before talking about his memories at Michigan State. They had a Final Four run in 2005. He played a major role in that team and was instrumental in that tournament run to the Final Four, beating, as we talk about, coming up Duke, Kentucky, and then eventually falling to North Carolina in the semifinals. So let's let Mo talk more about it. It's Take 10 Podcast interview with Maurice Ager, and it starts right now. All right, I'm very pleased to be joined by star swingman from Michigan State from 02 to 06. Made the Final Four in 05, first round pick in 06. It is Maurice Ager. Mo, how you doing, man? I'm good, man. Hey, man, appreciate you having me, man. It's all good. Absolutely. I grew up watching you. This is like a golden era of Big Ten basketball for me. Uh, oh, yeah. You were the Spartans, so it's cool to have you on. Appreciate you jumping on and, uh, you know, know you left an impression on me watching as like a 12, 13-year-old back in the day. That's lit, man. Hey, I'm, I'm, it's, it's actually good to hear, man. You know, so I like to hear that type of stuff, bro, for sure. Yeah, yeah a little full yeah. circle. So update me, first of all. Uh, obviously, you know, your name is – well-known in Big Ten circles, but update me and the rest of the audience, Big Ten listeners, on what you're up to these days and uh, just what you've been doing since since basketball came to an end. Oh, yeah, man. Oh, see, yeah, well, you know, obviously, man, you know, um, everybody who's been in my circle since I was a little, you know, they understand that, you know, I've always had a huge passion for music. You know what I mean? Music has been a, a very, very influential thing in my life, man, ever since I was a child, so. Uh, you know, pretty much after I retired in um, 2011, you know what I'm saying? That was pretty much my my big thing, you know what I'm saying? I went and pursued music, moved to L.A., and um, did some big things. Um, had opportunities to work with, you know, guys like Dr. Dre. And, you know, been in the studio with some, some pretty prominent guys, Game, Big Sean, you know, and this, that, and the other. You know, worked with Royce 5-9, and, um, and which I released this year as an NFT, but I'll get to that a little bit later. But, uh, yeah, you know, um, I had the consideration for a Grammy in 2013 for one of my songs, one of my actual, one of my own personal songs uh, called Far From Home at that time. And, um, yeah, and then, you know, years later, I actually created uh, the Moriga Hoop School, which is a basketball uh, enrichment program, you know what I'm saying? Use basketball enrichment program, you know, to help, you know, kids with basketball skills, life enrichment skills and stuff like that, you know. So uh, we developed that back in 2000 and, um Oh, that was 2013 as well. So um, I started that and I've been doing that ever since. Um, and, uh, you know, as of late, just to, you know, just give you a, a, a brief breakdown on everything. Um, I, uh, I created uh, right now we have uh, the sports and music website. I have a new website. But prior to that, man, I actually had, I started, the, it's called the Moyo Hoop School. I started a clothing line, a brand. And, um, and uh, I was doing it for maybe four or five years. And, um, and then it got to a point in time where, you know, I kind of hit a wall, you know what I'm saying? Because, you know, when COVID hit, you know, it just made things very difficult because I live in Vietnam. Now. I live in uh, Hanoi, Vietnam. I've been living in Asia since 2017. 
So um, you know, I run into a lot of difficulties, you know, as an entrepreneur, you know, when it comes to like, you know, you know, shipments and, you know, and then personal issues, you know. Uh, so I had to put things down for a minute, man. You know, uh, I remember having a conversation with uh, with Damon John from FUBU. You know, FUBU was a big thing at one point in time. And, um, you know, he basically, you know, he talked about, you know, there's times where you, if your business isn't doing well, it's okay to put it down and just shut it down for some time being, you know. And he talked about how he shut down FUBU for maybe two two years or so, so he can get himself together, so he can restructure his business and um, come back stronger. And, um, you know, uh, he told me that when I was living in Los Angeles, you know, back in like 2014 or sometime like that. And um, it kind of stuck with me, you know, as an entrepreneur. So, you know, when I was doing my line, you know, with the sports and music, you know, Moe um, Hoop School and, and stuff like that, I had to, you know, take a step back and, um, you know, really restructure things and, and really do it better this time, you know what I'm saying? Develop a team, you know, at one point in time I was doing, I already have a team, you know, it was, it was hard to do it by myself. And, um, you know, it, it became very difficult. So I'm really grateful at this point in time that I was able to, you know, use the COVID as a um, as a, a gateway to actually build my team and build a, um, a more uh, sustainable infrastructure when it came to come to what I was trying to do. So now I have what we call the sports and music with Moager, man, which consists of, you know, sports, music and technology. You know, I'm really heavy on the NFTs. I'm really heavy into the crypto space. So now that, you know, um, I've learned a lot about, you know, the market and how the market is working, and especially in this new world, you know, everything has changed. So now I have this website called Sports Music with Mo Ager, which, you know, is a clothing website. You know, people can go in there and, you know, and buy merchandise. Um, you can customize merchandise as well. We have lifestyle brand, a lifestyle brand as well. And um, on top of that, you know, people can go in there and hear my music. You know, it's, it's a one-stop shop. You did what I'm saying? So it took some time. You know, I, I finally put together a solid team that know what they're doing, that can help me bring my goals to life instead of me actually running around here as a one-man band, man, you know what I'm saying, and expecting to be successful. It just doesn't work that way. So now, you know, I have the website, and, uh, yeah, you can go there, and uh, we have uh, NFTs, you know. I created my NFT lines um, from memorable moments, of course, Michigan State days, my NBA days, um, and just lifestyle stuff like that. You know, I create NFTs for, for comedians, other professional athletes as well, you know, uh, who's played in the NBA overseas and the whole nine, you know, um, and various leagues around the world. Um, yeah. And um, yeah, it's a one-stop shop. Like I said, man, you can go there and get everything you need. Anything Mo Ager is, is right there. And uh, I just created the NFT course as well. And um, that's why I'm really excited to do this interview because I wanted to actually tell people about the course on how to create your own business, you know, because a lot of people have questions because I've been doing fairly well, in this early space of the NFT space. And, um, you know, now that I've put together, you know, some sales and been doing some cool things, I have a, a course to teach people how to do it themselves. You know what I'm saying? So I'm launching that today, actually. And that's on my website. But um, but most importantly, man, um, it, I was able to to learn over these years, you know, what, it's, what it means to be an entrepreneur outside of basketball, because, you know, I play basketball my whole entire life. And then you finally get to a stage in your life where uh, you want to do other things, you know, that was my main thing, you know, I, I really wanted my time to explore life, to create new avenues for myself, um, not neglecting my foundation from basketball, but, you know, adding on to my foundation from basketball and, and you know, and, and discovering, you know, uh, more about myself and, um, and life in general, and I was able to do that since, uh, you, know, you know, yeah, since 2011, man, it's been a, a solid 10, 12 years or so, where I've been able to really get to it you know what i'm saying those scary moments where you're really learning how to you know live life without something you're used to your whole entire life so yeah i'm really i'm really proud of where i'm at right now you know it, the story isn't over but you know once again man this website is going to be dope bro i'm going to continue to build it and, and grow it and um you know cultivate it but other than that man i've traveled all over the world man i've, I've been on the speaking circuit you know what i mean i've done basketball camps in continents all over the world uh you know and um I've had a pretty uh, interesting life, nonetheless. But um, yeah, I'm, but I'm still hungry for more, bro. So I'm, I'm I'm definitely excited about what's going to happen moving forward, especially in this new digital age. You know, you know, I'm a technology guy, so it's like it's actually feel like it's feeling like this is my time to shine. You dig what I'm saying? So yeah, man, that's that's kind of where I'm at with it, man. And um, yeah, I'm just building. Yeah, love hearing all about it. And there obviously seem to be a wide range of interests and stories and experiences that you've gone through i'm gonna get to it in a second uh you mentioned damon john i know you got connections to mark cuban that's like half the shark tank right yeah. there so absolutely i'll ask you about, <laughs> ask you about yeah. that 
in a moment. But uh, okay. before we even get to your Michigan State basketball career, uh, I just want to talk about the time between Michigan State and uh, pretty much now with, you know, before all these business ventures. But you mentioned being in the same room as Dr. Dre, Big Sean, you know, Mark Cuban, Damon yeah. John. And uh, we'll throw the NBA career in there. Like, what was maybe a situation where you were most, maybe not starstruck, but like, wow, okay, you know, I'm really sitting in this room right now. It could be music related, it could be Shark Tank, you know, pre Shark Tank related, it could yeah. be basketball related. Uh, I would definitely have to say Dr. Dre for sure. Dr. Dre, that was definitely a moment where I was a little bit more um, excited because I honestly, I've never been starstruck ever because coming from Detroit, we've seen, you know, Motown and stuff like that. I mean, I feel like I've been around, you know, celebrities and stuff like that from, from a small age. So it's like, uh, Dr. Dre was definitely one person that I, I was actually really excited to be around. You know what I'm saying? And, um, yeah, because I, I man, I, I really admired, he was a, one of the biggest, he was one of the biggest inspirations musically. You know what I'm saying? Especially what he was doing with Eminem at one point in time. It's like, man, you know what I'm saying? I, I love Eminem. I was a huge Eminem fan when I was growing up. All right, man. So I'm like, damn. Yeah. So it was, it was easy for me to, to, to fall in love with, with Dr. Drake because I'm like, oh, this is what he doing for him. So it's like, that was a huge deal, bro. Yeah, for sure. You know what I'm Ran through more of my childhood there. Obviously, growing up, you know, around when some of those albums came out. Uh, big Eminem, Dr. Dre fan as well, especially at a young age. Um, yeah. do, we have to, do we have to ask, you know, about Mark Cuban, him being an Indiana guy, another Big Ten school. I saw he gave you a plug uh, pretty recently. You posted on social media. What's he like to deal with in person? Obviously, you know, drafted you, traded you. Obviously, no hard feelings. You guys still are still yeah. uh, in touch. So, so what's, uh, what's Cuban like? Man, Cuban is a... Uh... Real down to earth dude, man. Real down to earth. I feel like, um, especially when I was at, um, I'm sorry, uh, when I was with the Dallas Mavericks, he just took. I feel like he took a liking to me because uh, he saw how curious I was about other things in life. You know what I'm saying? Even on the plane, as a rookie, you know, my assigned seat was next to Mark Cuban, so I would pick his brain every day, man. You know, and um, I, I don't ever remember talking to him about basketball. I used to always ask him about, you know, different business ventures and how to, how was he. I just remember the funniest stories when he when we had these sidekicks, right? You know what I'm saying? You remember the sidekicks? You know what I'm saying? You type on the side. And, um, I would be like, yo, how the hell are you even talking on the phone right now, man? We all the way up in the air. Like, you, you ain't got the internet. I know you're rich, but you ain't got the internet right now. But he was like, nah, I would just write hundreds of emails so and put them in my draft. So once I land, all I could do is press send, you know, and it saves me a lot of time. You know what I'm saying? So he's like, I'm just always being productive. No matter where we at, you know, uh, I, I think feel like, you know, Mark Cuban was definitely um, a, a supporter. You know what I'm saying? Like I talked about Moy Hoosker earlier, a basketball enrichment program that I started. He was the one that actually, you know, so yeah, that's a great idea. You know what I'm saying? I feel like it was I mean, obviously, but when I ran it, when I ran the idea by him, he still gave me his blessings. and was like, yo, man, keep it going. Keep pushing because I'm sure I used to get on his nerves, bro. I used to hit up Cube all the time about different ideas that I was doing. He'd be like, yeah, I don't know about that one. And then he'd be like, man. So um, he he was helpful, bro. He's definitely a player's GM. He's definitely a guy who's uh who's in tune with the now in terms of you know technology and where the where the world is heading in that in that regard. So I'm always gonna have respect for him just because you know he gave me a testimonial that I can use for the rest of my life. You know, so um, I'm always gonna respect Mark Cuban not only outside of just drafting me and giving me my first professional look, but just the fact that you know he still shows some some love after the basketball world, you know, and a lot of people end up, you know, falling off when, you know, you're not playing ball no more. So definitely and share that entrepreneurial spirit for sure. Uh, as, as we can tell here, and you mentioned Detroit, right. And I got an inside source uh, actually helps me do the podcast. His name's Harold. He's our uh, staff guy and he's a big Spartan guy. Went to MSU. Yeah. You guys are probably around the same age, close to it. And he went to, uh, he went to Renaissance in Detroit. He wanted me to ask you about okay. Crockett Renaissance games and uh, that rivalry. Yeah, plug. man, it was lit, bro. Um, you know, especially when I was a sophomore, I, I transferred to Crockett when I was uh, in tenth grade, and uh, that's when they had Ricky Paulden. Ricky Paulden went to Missouri, and Rick P was like, he was the guy. He was the guy. Period, bro. Like the man would jump. <sighs> Boy, when I would tell you them, them, them writing Renaissance games was like, it was a notch below playing against a uh, Illinois in that, in, in that type of environment. It was so hostile. You felt like the fans was always on top of you. You know, the, the, the games, you know, they were roped off. It was like, you was this close to like, you know, 
it, it got real in Detroit, bro. Like if you didn't necessarily have a some some family or some 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 goons with you in the crowd there, you know, you know, those guys were ready to fight you, man. You know, but Renaissance was tough, man. Rennie was tough, man. We're definitely one of the top three toughest schools in the city that we faced, you know what I'm saying? You know, and then years later they had Malik, Malik Harrison, Joe Crawford. Those guys were tough, you know what I mean? Two first rounds. Ah, uh, no, nah, they didn't go first round, but they end up being college All-Americans, McDonald guys. So Renaissance was a great, great program, bro. You know, Mark White, you know what I'm saying? He was one of the head coaches over there at the time. And um, yeah. Uh, yeah, and eventually, you know, they used to kick my son as a sophomore, and, and my junior year, we, we got them out of here, you know what I'm saying? We ended up winning the state championship. We had to go through renaissance to get there. I love hearing those stories. Even though, like, I don't know any points of reference between either school, I love hearing high school basketball stories, especially when, you know, it, it's real <laughs> on the court, and maybe when you step off the court as well with uh, with some of the rivalries there. Um, you mentioned... Nah, they're ready to cut you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you don't want to get too deep in those, those crowds. Uh so, nah, it, it, it sounds like, yo, you better miss this free throw. I'm going to show me the gun and everything. you like, come on, man. Right. I'm, a, I'm a kid, man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's what it is. It prepared me for the Big Ten. Yeah, and, you know, it's probably even more so because you get to the Big Ten, no one's, uh, you know, no no one's flashing the Glock on you or anything like that in the, in the stands. At least I hope not. Uh, you, mentioned, <laughs> you mentioned going to uh, going to Illinois. I, I like that you mentioned that because uh, that's where I went. Grew up going to those games with, you know, you guys played D. Brown. Darren Williams, Luther Head, guys like that. You had a great team. Drew Neitzel. Um, you know, you had Shannon Brown, obviously, same high school as D. Brown yeah. from Chicago. And that 2005 Final Four run is iconic for, for both schools. And I just remember being at that game in St. Louis, and MSU and Illinois fans were chanting back and forth, supporting each other before your guys' oh, Carolina game. You, you remember that kind of, you know, Big Ten show of support? And what do you remember about that experience in St. Louis? Ooh, we, man. Yeah, yeah. I want that. I will say, man, that that final four court it, it hit different. I, I, this is a funny reference, but it's like, you remember when you was a kid? How excited used to be to go like to the pool, like the the, the smell of the pool is like, yo, that's what it gave me. It gave me that type of vibe. I'm like, yo, I feel like I'm at the pool. You know what I'm saying? I feel a lot more loose. I'm about to, you know what I'm saying? Like the the, the media even hit different. Like everything hit different at the final four, bro. It's like your legs feel looser. Like um, I did my thing. I remember balling out, you know, saying like 24, 25 points, you know, let the game score. And um, that Final Four experience was 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 one to remember just because um, of what we had to do to get there, bro. We actually beat Duke and Kentucky in one weekend, dog. And um, it, it, it was a difficult thing to do, you know, but it prepared me for life to learn how to, to make adjustments on the fly. But, you know what I mean? Alan Anderson, man, you know, uh, unfortunately, man, he, that man, he was our second leader scorer at the time, man. He had a very severe injury, man. So he, he couldn't play up to his capabilities in a North Carolina game. And I believe if he was actually uh, healthy, I think we would have won. But um, yeah, man, playing against Rashad McCants, you know, Sean May and uh, those guys and, and torching those guys was fun. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that was a good game. That team was serious, too. I mean, McCants, May. Raymond Fallon, Marvin Williams, but you mentioned, you know, what you had to do to get there. That Kentucky game was crazy. I think Rondo was on that team. Um, you dunked on JJ Reddick. Like, please tell me that's, a, that's an NFT. Uh, it's coming. I was going to say, it's coming. if there's any guy to pick to dunk on from that era of college basketball, I feel like everyone would pick JJ Reddick. So you did something that I yes. think everyone wishes they, they could have done. If there's nothing, if people don't remember else about me, they're going to remember that. What, uh, remember that one. Hey. Was that the biggest memory from that run for you or what, you know, making the run to the final four, what, what sticks out? Uh, definitely the Kentucky game, man. I think it was like two overtimes, very intense. You know what I mean? I do, um, Sparks, I forgot his name, but he, uh, you know, he, we spent maybe 10, 15 minutes trying to reveal play whether his foot was on the line or not. You know, he had a three to, to send it into overtime. It was very, very intense. Uh, uh, the Kentucky game was was probably the most memorable game. You know what I'm saying? Obviously, the, the J.J. Reddick dunk is going to be an NFT. I'm going to drop that on uh, uh during the Elite Eight because that was the Elite Eight. So, yeah, I got to be strategic. Uh, why you said the word? Strategic? strategic. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how to say that yet, but I'm going <laughs> to drop that then. But, yeah, the Kentucky game was definitely the one I was like, that was the one to go to the Final Four, you know? All right. How do you get to the pool, though? Tell me, obviously, that was the – time where you made it right that, that's big time but like you started as a freshman sophomore you weren't starting games started four games as a sophomore before starting 
I think all of them as a, as a junior senior. So yeah. um, how did that, that leap take place, right? Like where you go from that sophomore leap to a junior all big 10 player. Man, that's a, that's a good question. Cause I was, uh, I remember the summer. Well, yeah, that whole sophomore year, I was actually hurt, man. I had a hernia. I was playing with a, a double, double sports hernia on both sides, bro. And, um, and I had a fractured ankle that whole entire year. So I was never truly healthy. So I ended up having um, surgery during the summer. And, um, yeah, I remember rehabbing for maybe five, six months. And then uh, yeah, my junior year, I just took off. I'm not sure. I'm not sure exactly why, you know, I was able to, you know, break out. I know, I mean, obviously I worked really hard, but, you know, I, it was just timing, bro. I just think, you know, in life, man, um, you have your moments when it's just your time. And it was the right time, and I, and I took advantage of it. You did what I'm saying? So, uh, yeah, that junior year was special. Um you know, obviously, uh, I got stronger. You know what I'm saying? I understood the system a lot more. You know, Coach Izzo ha had a lot more faith and confidence in me during that time. Um, yeah, yeah. And it was just my time, bro, you know. So, I don't know, you know, being overseas and in Vietnam, other side of the world, how much you get to, to watch MSU games nowadays, how close you pay attention. But what have you seen as far as Izzo over, like, the last 15 or so years? You know, is he more mellow now? Is he uh, the same? What, what have you noticed as far as uh, – Coach Izzo, you know, and his longevity. Um, I would definitely say you know he's a lot more mellow. You know what I'm saying? And um, from the stories I've heard from guys, you know, he's he's a lot less, um, you know, dramatic. You know what I'm saying? Versus when we played, Izzo was was pretty out there, man. Um, so is uh, it's good to see that you know at his older age, he's able to you know, you know, adjust to the times. I mean, because <laughs> let's keep it real, man. The kids ain't built like we were. <laughs> Like you, you can't say the same things to these kids now and expect to, uh, you know, land recruits. So with us, uh, yeah, Izzo will, will um, yeah, he will go there. You know what I'm saying? In terms of just some of the things he would say in order to, whether it was motivation or it was just how he was. But nonetheless, um, I'm, I'm still excited to to see him have success. You know what I'm saying? Um, I don't know. You know, I'm always going to pull for, you know, Coach Jesus to win, you know. So, uh, yeah, he's definitely much more mellow, you know, I would say that. All right. So you got the the fire fit on right now. You know, you got you got the fur. Right. I don't have pictures. Yes. What, what did you rock during the uh, NBA draft? I've, I feel like kind of since 2003 mm. when they had the big suits, like NBA Ooh, draft. Yes, sir. So, just, fluctuated. so what, what, what did you I have? Had the, I had the big wide, wide, wide Steve Harvey suit. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm talking about, you have to take my shit, the pants on, like, I'm, <laughs> just slide them right on. Like, yeah, it was a big cream soup, man. You know what I'm saying? And it, looked, it was crispy at the time. You know what I'm saying? I looked like an R&B singer. What's the first thing you bought with uh, the NBA check? Um, First thing I bought? First big purchase. Man, yeah, I got that BMW. I got the blue BMW, the Beamer boy. Yeah, 750. Okay, not bad. I've heard, yeah, yeah. I've heard a wide range of things. You know, some people do the house. Some people will like keep it low key, get the camera. BMW is right in the middle. I like that. Nah, I got yeah. the BMW before I even got the crib. I was still in the hotel. Looking back in your NBA career, also have a claim to fame of being. Weren't you traded for J Kid, a Hall of Famer? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was. I was involved in that trade. Yeah, it was me. Um, who was involved? Me, Devin Harris, Trent Hassel, and Don Sagana Jop. To, to the Nets, and I think they got uh, Antoine Wright, J-Kid, and uh, who else was that? Yeah, I think that was it. I don't remember what. I mean, at least, you know, never want to be traded probably, but having J-Kid, a, a Hall of Famer, on that on that line kind of eases the sting a little bit, I'd imagine. Yeah, you know, they won a championship some years after that, so it's okay. You know, I was a part of uh, <laughs> the process, I guess. <laughs> so, you know what I'm Feel me, what? How did you get to Vietnam? Like you, you mentioned, you've been all over the world. Uh, were you hooping overseas, and then, and then, how did you? Where have you been, and kind of how did you land there? Uh, yeah, man. On uh, 2017, I was actually living on Long Beach during the time, and then, um, you know, uh, life was rough, bro. Yikes! <laughs> I was going through a very tough time at that period, and um, and then you know, uh, a friend connected me. He was like, "Hey, bro, um, we have a, we have an opportunity in China if you want to come over and coach kids and help a um." Uh, basketball academy and at that time I was like yes perfect yes you know what I'm saying you know it was a it was a golden opportunity so I went over to China for maybe eight nine months and um yeah work with work with kids for a while you know what I'm saying I was doing music over there I was doing a lot of shows with 
you know, different artists and stuff like that. And then um, what happened was, uh, you know, I, we used to have to do visa runs to Vietnam, like every 60 days or so. And um, actually, like, I'm like, oh, Vietnam is kind of kind of cooler. Like, you know, one day I ended up having an opportunity to spend some extended time in Vietnam. And um, I noticed how much more of a, a play, it just felt more of a fit for me. You know what I'm saying? It's just like the opportunities at the time was was more open. Um, you know, the people were so much more down to earth. You know what I'm saying? I just felt like a right place for me to be. You know what I'm saying? And, I, and it still is. So uh, I decided to stay here, you know, and um, create out here. You know, that's when I created, you know, just I brought my basketball program here, you know, and, uh, you know, music and stuff like that. So, yeah, yeah, I'm still here and uh, I plan on being here for years. How's the uh, uh, talent? It's a good place, man. How's the talent on the, on the court? You, you training some young hoopers over there or what? Ooh, we, um, yeah, it's a handful, man. You know, basketball is still bluegrass here, but it's growing. It's growing tremendously. But, um, yeah, you know, it's, um, they, have, they have proteins out here. They have the VBA, you know, the um, Vietnam Basketball Association. So it's like, um, they have some solid pros. But as far as the youth, um, yeah, yeah they, they need a lot of work. But um, there's a few standouts, but nothing that's kind of like out of this world right now, just because, you know, football is still the number one sport, you know. That's why you're out there, man. Got to gotta lift them up. Got to create that grassroots movement. Um, so, so Mo, last question, because uh, I know you're, you're joining me from, you know, vast time change, but I do, have to, I do have to ask, what is a bigger thrill, finding out you are Grammy nominated or a big basketball accomplishment like dunking on J.J. Redick slash making a Final Four? Like, what, what's, what's a bigger rush for you? Um... Uh, they're they're both timely, bro. They they both have their moments. You know what I'm saying? Um, definitely. You know, you know, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's, it's too different. You know what I'm saying? Because like one is all the music accomplishment hit different just because it was something other than what I've done my whole life. So it showed myself. It showed me that I can actually be successful in something other than basketball, which is which is a big deal for me, and it should be a big deal for anybody who who wants to grow as an individual to be able to be um, well-versed in other areas in their life. But uh, the one that lasts, seems like it lasts a lot longer, it, it seems like the J.J. Reddick dunk, you know what I'm saying? Because once again, like people talk about it even to this day, like like it was yesterday, just because it was J.J. Reddick, you know what I'm saying? Like J.J. Reddick at one point in time was probably the top three hated basketball player in college, you know what I'm saying? I had my love for him, that was my guy, still is. But, uh, you know, he had, to, he had to catch that one. Yeah, for sure. And talk about a guy who's uh, went from hated to mostly like JJ Reddick through the podcast through a long, long career. You know, I feel like people kind of change their opinion. I did of him, and it sounds like it's your yeah. Guy. Well, um, yeah, he's he's grown a lot. You know, he's grown a lot since since I've known him, and um, you know, he's become um, a, a pretty well versed person, man. So I'm actually happy to see his growth as well. For sure, wide range of interests, just like yourself. Mo, let the people know one more time before uh, we jump off. You know, where to find your website, where to find your collection, all that good stuff. Uh, you filled us in on the top. Yeah, yeah. So the website right now is snmmoager.com. That's snmmoager.com. And that's sports and music with Moager. You know what I'm saying? So basically sports, technology, and music website. You know, it's a place where you can go get all things Moager. You can actually customize your own brand there. You know, that's another opportunity that I have on the website. It's like, you know, you can go in there and actually create and customize your own look. You know what I'm saying? Okay, you might not like what I'm bringing to the table. All right, but here you, you go. You can design whatever you want, man. Go ahead. And we can get that out to you nonetheless, man. But um, definitely, man, tap in, man. If anybody's looking to learn the NFT space, we have the course up and it's ready to roll. It's, uh, it's a 50-minute course. When you're done with this course, you're going to know exactly how to get it done. Hey, you, you'll know. Ain't no asking no questions. You're like, oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, Mo, show me everything I need to hear. And it's entertaining. It's music. It's a production. It's a fire course, man. So definitely go tap in with that. And cop my NFTs because, you know, if everybody start copying my NFTs, that's value for everybody and everybody get money. You heard? Well, Mo, I know it'll be entertaining for sure. I've been entertained the last 30 minutes or so. It's great to get to know you. Thanks for filling me in on, you know, really interesting life after basketball and, and great to talk about your hooping career too because uh, I remember it well and and I always love getting to know, you know new people on the show. So appreciate you, my guy. Man, I appreciate you, man. Thank you for having me, Brody. Good luck with everything, homie. All right. Thanks once again to Mo for taking some time. Really appreciate his uh, 
willingness to share his experiences and willingness to, to jump on, especially time change. I don't even know what time it was over in Vietnam, but uh, interesting guy. And I was grateful that he jumped on and, and shared his, uh, his life update, his experiences and his memories playing for Spartan basketball and um, in the NBA and overseas as well. So, and high school. Awesome stories about high school basketball. I love that stuff. Hearing about, you know, some of these <laughs> high stakes high school games when, you know, you got all kinds of characters in the in the gym. I remember some of those days myself. It was not quite as intense as what he described in, in Detroit and some of those city rivalries. And I was nowhere near the caliber of a uh, player, but do have a uh, affinity for high school basketball for sure and hearing those stories. So thanks to Mo and... We'll now toss it over to another Michigan State guy, Harold Shelton, talking Big Ten basketball, taking us inside. Uh, you know, he is a stat guy, so he takes us inside the numbers, but also just gives us good, solid analysis. He is a talent when it comes to breaking down each and every team. He is deep in the weeds of these teams and their trends and, and everything, and he's a pro. So I'm going to toss it to Harold Shelton, and we'll get into the Big Ten basketball race right now. All right, very pleased to be joined once again by Harold Shelton, another Spartan on the show. Just had Mo Ager on. Uh, H, how's it going? How do you feel knowing we got one of your, your boys on the pod? Uh, always good to get get our guys on the pod, so I was glad to hear uh, that you got Mo on. Um, you know, we were in school at the same time, you know, ran across each other a couple times on campus. Wouldn't say we're tight by any stretch, but, like, Obviously, one of those were like we cross each other, you know, give the the head nod, what's up, kind of thing. Like, so it's cool that he's on. Well, I appreciated you giving me some background info on him. You know, he I remember him playing, but he was definitely before uh, you know a time where I would have known any finer details. So I I love some of the the uh, urban legend type stuff you were able to to drop my way, and I did ask him about your guys' high school uh, games versus uh, was it Rennie. Yeah, yeah, Renaissance versus yeah. Crockett. Yeah, and so wait, remind me, were you on the same side of that rivalry? Did you go to rival high schools? Rival high school. Okay, that's what I thought because I framed it that way. But then we talked about just now you, you know, running into him. I wasn't sure. So he spoke obviously very highly, like you know, of <laughs> the the culture around those games and you know how there'd be maybe some threats implicit or not thrown out in the game and and just painted a, a classic, you know high school basketball picture for me and and uh, I'm glad you brought that up because it was entertaining nice yeah it was uh those were some 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 crazy games um and it was one of those where you're in the same district and so you kind of knew like whoever won this particular game was probably going to wind up winning the state title even though it was like so early um and his team you know knocked out renaissance and they went on and, and won state that year and you're like dang like that you know that could have been my team but um well i knew he was going to state after that so i'm like well at least now i can cheer for him and uh hopefully he can get us some some big time wins which he did all right so we went through those memories and some of his memories at msu what are your favorites of uh of mo because obviously i played on some great teams and, and as we talked about with him it's not like he was a star right away. He had to kind of blossom into being a Big Ten star. Yeah, it was funny because I remember, I don't want to say his freshman year, like you said, it took him a little while, but he kind of had a breakout in the tournament against Florida when they were like a seven seed. And, you know, they beat him by like 20 in the second round and nobody saw that coming. And they got to the lead eight as a seven seed that year. But I think it was the 05 uh, team where like he and Shannon Brown and Alan Anderson like wound up being the big three guys on that team. And, you know, he had the crazy dunk over JJ Reddick in the Sweet 16. And, you know, they wound up beating Duke and Kentucky back to back in the Sweet 16 and Elite Eight to get to the Final Four. Um, and I just remember, you know, like me and my buddies are like, look, it's in St. Louis. So like if they if they get it done, like we're gonna drive down and so I just remember like following that run and then like going to see uh, them in person. Yep. We were both there for that final four. Uh, I kind of feel bad for that, that dome now. It's kind of a rundown. Like once the Rams left, like, you know, some of the the memories faded too in the yeah. downtown St. Louis, but uh, it, it was popping back then. Um, so yeah, great, great memories, obviously. And he was a excellent guest to have on. Definitely one of the more unique guests we've talked to. I don't know if you knew this. He lives in Vietnam now. 
I did not know that. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know either. I, I wanted to go, but I didn't know that uh, he was living there. That's awesome. Yeah, I, didn't, I didn't know either. He just casually dropped it in the interview. So um, definitely, definitely fun talking to him um, and, and reminiscing on a, you know, classic Michigan State run and team. And I don't know if Izzo has one of those this year, but he definitely has a, a good team, a, a solid team. And justifying, you know, we, we talked about last week and question, are they – really top 10 are they that, that type of caliber team and losing to Northwestern we thought maybe not and then they I think proved themselves once again Friday night against Wisconsin and it really kind of reflects like the whole league right uh ebbs and flows maybe no true elite teams at the top but a lot of really good ones who are going to rise and fall throughout the year and, and probably be among a pack of three or four at least contenders uh the way it's shaping up now you know looking toward the last six weeks or so of the season. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, like you mentioned, when they lost to Northwestern, they had a bunch of time off after that. You're kind of looking like, well, if they lose to them, then, you know, you got Wisconsin coming up and Illinois and Michigan. And, you know, you're kind of wondering, will this be the start of the skid? And then the way that they responded against Wisconsin, it's completely different than how they played in the early part of the Big Ten season. You know, they dominated on the boards. and They all rebounded them 39 to 20. Um, the defense was great. Multiple guys involved. Just the effort level, the energy level was just much better than it was in the Northwestern game and the Minnesota game. Even though they wound up beating the Gophers, like it took, you know, a last second shot to do it. Um, so just the, the effort was there. They cut down on the turnovers after the first couple of minutes, too, which certainly helped. So I think they're, they're a good team, but they have to play really hard to be good. Like they can't just go by on talent they're not talented enough to just go and play a c game and expect to win like they all have to play really really hard because they don't have like an alpha they don't have a guy that's like okay well you can hop on my back and you know we'll figure it out tonight like they all have to play hard and figure it out together for in order for them to you know get to their potential yeah friday night uh wall tyler wall being out that's a big loss had an impact. I mean, Kofi was out for Illinois and they lost to Maryland. So uh, I didn't get a chance to see much of the Wisconsin uh, Michigan state game, but how much of that impact do you think it, it had? Um, and what do you, what do you just think about Wisconsin after seeing them, you know, really, really up close knowing you had a interest, uh, heightened interest in that game? Uh, well, I thought uh, with wall out, like the fours and fives definitely struggled to replace his production. You know, I think Wall was kind of playing his best basketball of his career before the injury. You know, he was a guy that was averaging, you know, 15, 16 points a game over the last, you know, few weeks. And so you take that away. Now it's like, okay, we can load up on Johnny Davis. Brad Davidson played well. He made shots, but they really, really made life hard on Davis. And they, you know, you'd see Gabe Brown on him. Hogard was on him. Max Christie was on him. And they just were able to rotate bodies and make things really, really hard. And without that third score with Wall being out, it made it just made Wisconsin's offense struggle like a lot. And, you know, they jumped out to that 8-0 lead. And then in the blink of an eye, Michigan State's up double digits because they couldn't make shots. And I think when, whenever Wall does come back, I think we'll get to see like the real version of Wisconsin, but I thought what Michigan State did on Friday was still impressive, whether he played or not. Yeah, a lot of great games from like Thursday on, starting with the Purdue Indiana game. We'll, we'll definitely talk about that. Um, honestly, let's just get into it right now because I don't want to preview too much. You know, want to expand on Michigan State a little more, maybe, but don't want to preview their game against Illinois on Tuesday night because this episode will not be out in time. We don't even know if Kofi's back, so. Uh, kind of worthless discussion there. So let's look back still uh, and what that win for Indiana means, Purdue. Since then, we've seen Purdue bounce back against Northwestern, Indiana fall against Michigan. And right, it's like I talked about, just kind of the, those mini rises and falls on the, you know, the EKG chart of the season. So um, what, what do you think that means, you know, just to snap a, a really dominant stretch for Purdue and get that in Mike Woodson's first try, a signature win like that. Yeah, I think it was really big for Indiana just because obviously that's your biggest game and or your biggest rival. You play them twice, but that's that's your biggest game every year. And, you know, you had lost nine straight to them. And, you know, a lot of times 
some of the games weren't close. And, you know, you lose by double digits at home to these guys. And it clearly doesn't sit well. So the fact that they were able to, Mike Woodson's first try to just get off the schneid and get that W was big for them. And that's a win that's going to hold up well in March when you're starting to compare resumes. Who knows where Indiana will be over these next, you know, 10, 15 games in terms of tournament resume and stuff like that. But if they're like closer to the bubble, like that win will be able to say a lot for them. And I thought it was really, really good that they won that game with Trace Jackson Davis pretty much being a non-factor. Um, it kind of goes to show like other guys can step up and you can still win with defense, which is what they've done most of the year, the Michigan game notwithstanding. You think Indiana's a tournament team as it stands now? They're right kind of on the, you know, uh, 10, 9, 10 seed outskirts right now, looking at um, maybe uh, advanced metrics like Ken Palm, you know, in that 30 range, you're usually in pretty safely, but, uh, you know, it can kind of go either way depending on how the rest of the season Turns out, obviously, the Purdue win helps a lot. I think the Michigan loss dinged them, just losing to a team that had been scuffling um, <clears throat> and losing convincingly. So just eye test now. Do you think they are, are pretty much on track for a, a bid? Yeah, I wouldn't say they're safely in, but I still think they are a tournament team. I think also having the Ohio State win uh, with the Purdue win certainly helps. Um, I think they need to continue to take care of business at home and try to steal a couple of these road games because that's been the biggest problem. They've had a chance to get a big win on the road, whether it was Syracuse, whether it was Iowa, whether it was Penn State, you had chances to win those games and you didn't do it. And so they have to find a way to get a marquee win or two away from Bloomington in order to feel better about uh, their tournament hopes uh, going down the stretch. Yeah, while we won't, while we will not, uh, preview Tuesday night's game at all. Um, it's an opportunity for Illinois to get a signature win because they don't have one. Uh, let's be real. Like they had an opportunity against Purdue, couldn't get it done, had no non-conference wins that really stand out. So they have a nice record, nice big 10 start for sure. But that obviously took a step back losing to Maryland and need a signature win. And they're going to have some opportunities because it starts to get tougher. They go to Mackey the next couple weeks, I believe uh, Michigan state is a big one. Wisconsin as well. And it's one of those things, man, like Maryland just has their number. Uh, and I, I think I've pinned down why, for whatever reason, um, Illinois has not been able to figure out how to guard these, even though Mark Turgeon's gone, these Turgeon type players that are very versatile and can play two through four, you, you know, before it was your Aaron Wiggins and Darren Morsell. And then the last three or four games, Dante Scott has, has cooked them. And Illinois has, great center play and, and good guard play, small guard play. Don't have a lot of guys that can square up on the wings and, and uh, Maryland is, has really made them pay. And even in the, the game where Illinois beat them a couple of weeks ago, uh, Illinois did not look great, trailed at halftime and kind of snuck out of there because Kofi dominated. Kofi's out. Maybe the result's different, but Maryland was convincing and, and showed that the season is not, you know, a complete tailspin. They, clearly still playing hard for, uh, you know, with Danny Manning in charge. And even though it was not a traditional home environment, right? Like fans are kind of in wait and see mode there. They got it done against the ranked team. So that, that kind of ownership of the Terps over Illinois continues. And it's one of those things that I think I finally pinned down for sure. The cause, the root cause of that. Yeah. I think you're on to something there. And, and, when I was when I heard Kofi was out, I was like, "Ooh, that, this could be a problem." Because you look at the first game, and like you said, Illinois trailed at half, and Kofi dominated, and they were able to get away. Now they won by twelve, and Kofi was in foul trouble in that game. But when he was on the floor, they outscored Maryland by twenty-eight, and they only won by twelve. So that means when he sat, they were outscored by sixteen. He doesn't play in the game the other night; they lose by sixteen. So I mean, you could see. You know, without him being that dominant post presence that they really struggled to defend and to score. And so, like you said, in that kind of matchup where you could switch a bunch of stuff and you got, you know, six, eight bigs bringing you out to the three point line and you don't really have a guy to guard that, you know, it could be a problem. And, you know, I think Maryland has played really, really hard in a lot of these games outside of the Michigan game. Uh, I think Michigan just took its own and that might be more 
about Michigan than it is about Maryland, and we could probably get into that. But, um, you know, Maryland's still playing hard under Danny Manning. They have a lot of work to do to get back in that tournament conversation. But you beat, you beat Illinois, you beat Florida, you found a way to, to rally at Northwestern. You know, it looked like they could have caved against Wisconsin at home, came all the way back, took the lead, didn't quite finish the game. But you could tell they're still playing really hard for him. Yeah, I mean, they have talent. They're not a traditional bottom of the conference power five team like that just is completely devoid of talent like they have dudes on that team and if they continue to play up to you know some of their capabilities they will be a headache for uh a lot of you know the top teams in the conference going forward um and we'll get to michigan like you said uh one other good game don't want to completely gloss over Rutgers and minnesota um i feel like that was one of those that like both teams kind of had to have to to keep the tournament flame, you know, really kind of alive. Like there's a long way to go, obviously, but it's one of those that like both teams I'm sure went into and we're like, all right, we got to have this one. And it was close. And, um, you know, now you look at it, Rutgers is 11 and seven. They had those early season losses. Minnesota's got a decent record at 11 and five. Really good. If you look at their preseason projections and both, uh, you know, two and five conference record though, that's where they're, they're going to have to pick up some ground because they did have that losing streak. So, um, I don't know. You agree that one of those games are both, they kind of both needed to have, and then the the winner will now be in much better shape going forward. See, I thought more was on the line for Rutgers than Minnesota, just because the, the way that Minnesota's constructed, they really don't have much of a bench. And you just kind of wonder over a 20 game brutal schedule, brutal conference schedule, how many wins can they really get? And they did, they did a good job in getting a bunch of wins early and then even when conference play started, they won at Michigan. And so you're like, okay, maybe Minnesota could be something. I think you saw some of that depth or lack of depth take its toll. And I was really, really impressed that they even won this game. Uh, you know, they had a game postponed earlier in the week. Didn't even know if they were going to have enough guys to play in that Rutgers game. It wasn't until the morning of where they had a player who was on IVs wind up being able to play. And then they had three guys play 40 minutes, two others play 37, and they still find a way to win that game. And I think that hurt Rutgers because you just come off the Iowa win. You got a chance to build a lot of momentum. You got some really bad losses in non-conferences. So it's like, okay, now if we can start piling up some of these wins against some unranked teams, we give ourselves some wiggle room before we get into this brutal stretch where I believe they have it's like Michigan State, Ohio State, Wisconsin, Illinois, Purdue, Michigan, Wisconsin, like all in a row. So they had a chance to stack up some wins and, you know, blew a golden opportunity. Yeah, and Rutgers, too, just looking at where they are program-wise, like some of these guys are upperclassmen. You know, they, they lost some of their upperclassmen last year, and you just don't know, you know, with this group. Obviously, Baker's is about done uh, for this year. Uh, it's a senior, and you just don't know, right, like – what the next Rutgers team is going to look like in the kind of, you know, second part of the Pikel era. Cause the build has happened. They have, uh, you know, reached kind of last year that, uh, you know, the peak and we're seeing now if they can kind of dig deep and put a second half of the season stretch together. Cause you want to see the team get back at the tournament, especially how heartbreaking it was against Houston last year. Yeah. I mean, when you think about how close they were to winning that game, I mean, in the way the bracket opened up, like Rutgers had a legit chance of making the final four, the way mm -hmm. that bracket broke down. Um, they had a had a lead against Houston most of that second half and let it go. And then you see Houston go on and I think they beat a 12 and an eight or something like that to get to the final four. And like that could have been Rutgers. What um, other Big Ten team was in that? Side of the bracket? I can't remember. I yeah, like, yeah, I can't I can't remember either. Um you you can tell me later, but um yeah, they, they really had a chance there. And then, you know, they lose Jacob Young. They lose Miles Johnson, both in the portal. And so you wonder how they're going to look. They lose to, to UMass. They lose to Lafayette. And you're like, dang, this, this isn't looking good. And then they start getting some wins. They beat Michigan. You know, they hold this Iowa explosive offense under 50. And you're like, oh, man, they might have found something. Then you let Peyton Willis go off for 30. You got these chances to win these games. You kind of waste a good performance from Geo Baker. And so, like you said, like, you don't, we don't really know what they're going to be in the future. And you got a chance to kind of, you know, have another building block by getting to the tournament in consecutive years. And that's a game you couldn't let slip away. 
I mean, that, like, that bracket is so bizarre to look at. I mean, Oregon State made it to the Elite Eight, and they are complete trash this year. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. I, I'm saying, like, they, I mean, as soon as it happened, I said, man, they blew a chance at the Final Four because the way the whole thing opened up. Right. All right. Well, moving on, uh, I just want to revisit Michigan real quick because it lends itself nicely to your rivalry game. That is this the rescheduled one this weekend? or is it? No, this was already scheduled. Okay, so this is at Michigan. Michigan State. Right. The, the one in Ann Arbor with, was postponed. Yep, and yep. It's all coming back to me now a couple weeks ago. <laughs> uh, when you guys are so close, it's hard to even – you know, 45 minute bus ride, like exactly not a huge deal if one is postponed, but um, you guys got the matchup this weekend. Are you scared of Michigan? They were looking better. Um, they got Hunter Dickinson back. Um, you know, obviously he missed the Illinois game. Got a convincing win over Indiana. Are you more concerned now than you would have been for that postponed game a couple weeks back? Um, I wouldn't say more concerned, but they definitely are playing much better than before the shutdown. Um, I think they found something in the Illinois game, even though they lost. It looked like the first time they actually competed um, for like a full 40 minutes. You know, we saw them play well in halves, you know, here and there. But usually the second half, things kind of went away. And it was because they didn't guard people. I didn't think that was the case against Illinois. I just think they kind of ran out of bodies without Dickinson being in there. Uh, but I think Devontae Jones has played much better. I think Caleb Houston has played much better, and that's allowed Dickinson to kind of, you know, impose his will. Uh, I think it was much harder when he was like the the only real threat on the floor. But now when you've got other guys playing well beside him, I think it makes them much more dangerous. And I think them not having good point guard play was the biggest issue for them uh, in their struggles. But Jones playing much better has kind of stabilized things. And so they're going to be really confident. Um, I know they get Northwestern uh, before they play Michigan State, but it's at home. Uh, you would think they would win that game. So they'll, they'll have a lot of confidence going into that game Saturday. Yeah, that'll be a fun one to watch. Another one this week in Ohio State and Purdue. And Ohio State, like by no far, fault of their own, is kind of a team that is just forgotten right now. I mean, they played IUPUI as just kind of a buffer, right? Like they needed to play somebody um, with all these cancellations and and uh, reschedulings and uh, another one postponed against Nebraska this past week, play Minnesota before the Purdue game. So uh, they'll be favored there, but what do we think about Ohio state and uh, you know, just getting a step up in competition and do you think they're going to be up for it after just kind of a, a lull here midway through the season? See, I'm not going to, I'm not going to sell Minnesota short in that game. I'm not either. Let me look. Are they, I saw Minnesota. Yeah, they're at Minnesota. Never mind. They're at when Minnesota. I said, when I said favored, I thought that they was going to be at Ohio State. It is not. That'll probably be a very tough game, too. Yeah, I, th- I still think Ohio State will be favored. But just the way that they played on the road, like they barely escaped against Nebraska, needed overtime. Like I got blown out in Bloomington, pretty much blown out in Madison. And so you just kind of wonder what they're going to look like. It'll be nine days between the IUPUI game and the Minnesota game, which could could help in terms of if they had any guys that were nicked up, maybe they are, are ready to play. You would think EJ Liddell should have a, a pretty big game, but, you know, the Big Ten, we've seen a lot of upsets happen already. And so I, I'll be curious to see, you know, how they get through the Minnesota game before the Purdue game. Um, and speaking of Purdue, Purdue, they get Iowa before they play Ohio State, too. I think it's the same day as Ohio State, Minnesota. I would push them in December. Yeah, without Keegan Murray. Yep. So I'll be curious to see what happens there on the road. You know, they had a, a bounce back against Northwestern. Uh, Jay Nivey didn't play in that game, so we'll see if he's ready to go. You know, he played the Indiana game with a hit pointer, I believe. And so we'll see if he's back after, you know, basically being off a week. Um, you know, it's, it's getting to that point. We're getting close to February now where guys are beat up and you're just trying to get through this 20 game grind. And I wouldn't be shocked at pretty much any result at this point. All right. Last thing, H4 wrap up. You mentioned this to me you know, a couple of weeks ago, so I've had my sights on it, but something to keep an eye on with your guy, Coach Izzo, closing in on a major milestone uh, laid out for the people in case people aren't aware. Yeah, so you would think maybe early to mid-February he gets it. Um, He has 658 career wins right now. 
So he's three away from tying Bob Knight, four away from passing him for the most wins by a Big Ten head coach all time. And it's pretty crazy when you think about it just because, you know, he took over from Joe Heathcote and he was this unknown guy. And it looked like after two or three years, he might get fired. You know, he was losing games to like University of Detroit and they didn't miss the tournament the first two years. And you're like, I don't know if this is going to work. Then they win the Big Ten in year three and he's been rolling ever since. And so I think when you think of him, he's probably the second best coach uh, of all time in the Big Ten behind Bob Knight. Um, I think a, a fun Mount Rushmore would be to figure out who's three and four. But I feel like those two are kind of cemented uh, already. And so it would just be it would be fitting if he did it against Indiana. I believe that is a possibility. Uh, Wisconsin coming up is also a possibility, considering that they were a big thorn in his side during the Bo Ryan years. Um, but we'll, we'll see uh, how it plays out. Uh, you know, he's a really emotional guy. So I'll be curious to see if the school has anything planned that, you know, makes him break down. You know, he 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 loves a good cry. Uh, so we'll see if any you know, school has anything planned or former players wind up coming back for it if it winds up being at home. Uh, so I know I got some work to do to make sure we are buttoned up uh, at the network. Yeah, looking forward to it. I'm sure we'll cover it in earnest here. I know we got some plans on social platforms for that. So thanks for keeping us wise to it. Uh, and likewise with everything Big Ten basketball, like you said, February coming up, it's uh, the home stretch almost. Not quite, like we're still in kind of the middle dog days but uh you know once february gets cooking uh, it's one of the you know everyone hates february like i think it's the worst month of the year just weather wise because it's always brutal here but big time basketball helps me through it and it is the shortest month so it'll be march soon before we even yeah, know it that's that's for sure and um i think february we also like get the first peek behind the curtain of like the the top 16 reveal from the committee so we can really see like where some of these big 10 teams wind up. I know uh, Mike DeCourcy always says he hates talking about bracketology until Valentine's Day, but we're coming up on that now. I know he kind of has to, he's obligated to put our brackets now, but I feel like he doesn't really like to talk about it until Valentine's Day, but we're about three weeks away from that now. And so once February gets here, it's more about conference race and tournament resumes, in or out, bubble, all of these words start popping back into to the culture. And so I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, and I tweeted it yesterday. I think it was, no, Saturday, during the Kentucky-Auburn game. Uh, it was the first CBS basketball game I'd watched this year. And always, every year, it's like a, you know, it's like Groundhog Day where you see the groundhog for the first time. For me, it's hearing the CBS theme song for the first time because they use the same one for the mm -hmm. tournament. Iconic. And it kind of gets me, you know, gets gets the juices flowing a little bit. Sometimes, once in a while, I'll hear it like if, Purdue or I feel like some schools have been in the CBS sports classic Ohio state obviously is in that every year, but Purdue's in some like CBS sports net tournament and some high school gym every year during Thanksgiving. So maybe I'll hear it in November, December this time, this year, uh, you know, six more weeks of winter. I felt like I, I didn't hear the song until late January. So I was very glad to hear it and I can't wait to put it on repeat starting when the big 10 gets more of these CBS games. I know Michigan and Indiana were one of them as well yesterday. Yeah, like you said, once you start getting some more of those, it really starts to feel like, okay, like we're fully in the basketball season. You know, we were so bogged down with football. And then, you know, there's kind of the transition away from that. You kind of decompress everything, what happened, yada, yada, yada. And now it's like, okay, we're full basketball mode now. Like you said, CBS games, you start to hear the theme music, the road to the Final Four animation, all that stuff. And you're like, all right, these next two months are going to be fun. Love it. All right, we'll keep talking about it. Let's get someone in New Orleans, and uh, we'll see you on, on Bourbon Street. Uh, appreciate it, H. We'll talk soon because we got another one of these to do very soon. All right, sounds good, man. All right, thanks to Harold, and thanks again to Mo for joining. A couple of Spartans, Spartan dogs as they call them, and guys who are around the same age. Uh, I know Harold mentioned crossing paths with Mo in Detroit in high school, and O's team getting the best of him in high school basketball and going all the way to the state. Small world. Uh, you know, anyone who operates in the sports world a little bit kind of realizes how small it can be sometimes. So cool to get them on. Appreciate H for giving me some background info on Mo that I might not otherwise know. And appreciate H for also 
talking Big Ten basketball. So we're in it now. It's uh, you know, fast and furious every week pretty much, and it's a great time of year. I know it's winter. I know it's dreary, but one of my favorite times of year is knowing there's going to be great Big Ten basketball games on pretty much every night, and uh, we inch toward March. So love it, and it'll be even better when we get to March and see uh, you know, some of that snow start to melt and uh, the games even more meaningful. So thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks to Julie Bronder for stitching the show together. Quick reminder, if you've not already, please, if you are so inclined, leave us a rating or review on the podcast platforms wherever we're available, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and then you can also view the Take 10 Podcast and our guests on YouTube, view these interviews um, you know, in their entirety, on the Big Ten Network YouTube channel, there is a playlist section for all the Take 10 podcast episodes. Thanks to Zoom and it's all its wonders. We can now do all these on video. So take a look at that uh, if you want to add a visual element to this audio show. All right, that'll do it for this week. We actually have a special episode coming up uh, at the end of the week or early next week. So not as much time between episodes. So we'll get back at you soon another guest and until then we'll talk to you next time here on the take 10 podcast